0: Welcome to Comedia del Cinema, the podcast where we talk about some of the biggest comedy movies and some of the tiniest ones as well. What makes them funny? Who who made them funny? And did the audience think they were funny? Well, I'm one of your hosts, Emily Walborn.
1: And I'm your other host, Jordan Wold. What What are we talking about today?
0: Today we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves.
1: Don't forget the colon. Dungeons and Dragons, colon, Honor Among Thieves. is. I think this is definitely the most recent movie we've ever covered.
0: I think so, considering it's, it's still in only the, in, in theaters. In
1: some theaters, indeed. Yeah. Um, but most of the play it gets these days, Paramount+. Plus.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Our first streaming movie? <laughs> Straight to streaming
1: movie? <laughs> Not accurate at all. No. <laughs> um...
0: Well, after after it's theatrical, sure, but
1: then <laughs> then everything hits straight to streaming.
0: Well, no, just because they end up on streaming eventually.
1: <laughs> I'd say that's what happened with this movie.
0: No, well, because they, you know, these movies nowadays they just go right to their st- whatever company their st- made them their streaming service.
1: Sure, but <laughs> I don't know that that's a separate designation, but it's certainly. I think so.
0: It's, a, it's like a time, you know, it's a timestamp of like
1: oh, I movies see. that yeah.
0: nowadays come out and then
1: they go see. right
0: to the streaming service of whatever company. Made
1: them yeah. Out. Okay. Yeah. That's always like a part of the release strategy, even if it is a theatrical yeah. film. I get you. Um, well, what, what comedies have we seen so far then in 2023?
0: So in 2023, okay, I broke it into... Now, you might have issues with this. Theatrical and streaming. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, go, go ahead.
0: So, you know, theatrical movies, I tried to, uh, you know, I tried to pick which movies actually did come out in a lot of theaters and not mm-hmm. just, you know, a small amount mm-hmm. of theaters. So we got Magic Mike, Last Dance, which I haven't seen it. I feel like people do consider them comedies, but, it you know, a little debatable.
1: Yeah, the trailer for this one looked a little more
0: more romance romance. drama. But anyway, it was on the list, so. Okay. Ant-Man, Quantumania. Sure. Uh, Champions.
1: Yeah, I saw it.
0: (laughs) Uh, Polite Society, which I feel like is actually getting a pretty decent release in theaters. Like, it's playing in Montana at the moment, so. It's
1: not making any money, but I think that's as a result of... Studio studio's not doing platform slow expansion. Mm -hmm. It's things go right to several hundred theaters. Yeah. But it's certainly playing in a lot.
0: Uh, D&D, of course. Yeah. D&D, an abbreviation for Dungeons and Dragons, Honor Among Thieves. (laughs) Um, Shazam. Yeah. uh, Renfield. Sure. Cocaine Bear and 80 for Brady. Yeah. So those are some of the biggest comedy movies. Theatrical movies that came mm-hmm. out so far, as of May twenty second, twenty twenty three. Thea- um, Streaming wise, I have Your Place or Mine, mm-hmm. Murder Mystery two. Oh sure. Uh, White men can't jump. We have a ghost. You people among. I'd say probably hundreds of other. Movies that have come out already on streaming.
1: Hundreds, if not dozens.
0: (laughs) If not. Dozens to hundreds of movies. Of comedy movies that have come out on streaming.
1: Yeah, dozens of movies that are technically comedies. But Mm -hmm. I would bet if you combine all of the laughs in a lot of those movies, it's pretty comparable to, like, a weaker theatrical comedy. Uh, Oftentimes. Mm -hmm. There are some real standouts, but... Yeah. A lot of the, I feel like, s- streaming comedies lately especially are kind of full watch in the background. Don't really.
0: Well, or is that just how we watch them nowadays and we don't think that they are very funny because we aren't paying attention and we aren't in a room full of people laughing.
1: Very well could be. Uh, I'll say I tried to give, I genuinely tried to give Your Place or Mine a pretty fair watch for the I first half. seen that one. And I...
0: Well, but Murder Mystery 2 we quite that's enjoyed. That's
1: true. We were, we were glued.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. That's that's a good point.
0: You people, I think, would be a weaker, com- like, comedy theatrical mm-hmm. release, but...
1: But they might have bulked it up if it were going to be theatrical, too.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's some good jokes in that.
1: hmm Look, Jonah Hill, Eddie Murphy are funny.
0: And don't forget Miss J.L.D.,
1: That's true. She gives the funniest performance in that movie.
0: And she does. Um, Okay, so who made Dungeons & Dragons? Tossing it back to you.
1: Well, Dungeons & Dragons... Well, if you've seen Freaks and Geeks, and you've watched any of the the kids on that show play Dungeons & Dragons and thought one of these people should grow up to direct a Dungeons & Dragons movie, you'd be weirdly prescient because... Uh, Jonathan Francis Daly. Sam from Freaks and Geeks Sweets, right? From, from Bones. Bones. Um, co-directed with his writing and directing partner, Jonathan Goldstein. They also made Game Night uh, as well as the 2015 Vacation, which is mm-hmm. which is a bad movie. Uh, and I like them both, but that movie's not good. Um, they wrote the first Horrible Bosses. They have credit on the first of the Spider-Man Marvel trilogy. Um, Pretty prolific studio screenwriters who have been breaking into directing in the past decade. Um,
0: They have direction and writing credit.
1: Yeah, so they share...
0: Along with Michael.
1: Michael Gillow. Michael Gillow. Yeah, and then he shares story credit with uh, Chris McKay, who...
0: Who was originally attached to direct.
1: Yeah, and he... I think, did the Lego Batman movie. Some other stuff like that. Um, It was influenced pretty heavily by Princess Bride, according to the directors. Princess Bride, Monty Python, the Holy Grail, Lord of the Rings, and Indiana Jones. Um, This comes from Wikipedia. So this part is really uh, accurate, I'm sure. Indiana Jones structure evoking a dungeon crawl. Um, which I, I don't...
0: What's a dungeon crawl?
1: I believe that's just a sort of story where you're just uh, you know... In a dungeon? Not necessarily, but go into this environment, take on that enemy. Now, oh, you're kind like a Kind like a
0: video game? Yeah,
1: it's often like a, a, a side-scrolling, like, RPG video game kind of thing, I believe. Also inspired by the heist film genre. Um... Some production details, budget of $150 million, which for this kind of movie isn't crazy, but is still pretty massive. Mm -hmm. They used practical effects as much as they could, used um, incorporated sign language into the spells, um, had a lore master on set to ensure that spells that were being cast were accurate. also features some from re- some references to the 90s uh, cartoon series like when they're um, in the little prison at mm-hmm. the end of the games it's all the characters from from that show oh. um,
0: It has no connection though, to the tr- the previous film no. trilogy yeah. which there was a Dungeons and dragons that came out in the two th- in 2000 mm-hmm. was a box office and critical bomb mm-hmm and then they did in 2005. They did a TV movie sequel, and then in 2011 they did a straight to VOD. Yeah,
1: feels like maybe intriguing. just keeping the rights, yeah, kind
0: of thing. Yeah, which it seems like there was a long lawsuit process mm-hmm. for this movie as well.
1: Yeah,
0: over Hasbro, Warner,
1: Warner Brothers, Brothers,
0: and Universal.
1: Yeah, it ends up at
0: Paramount, at Paramount. but Warner Brothers won the lawsuit somehow. Working with. Hasbro, and then it kind of it seems to have gotten stuck in development hell for quite some time. Yeah, for yeah, from 2013 when they were actively developing it to it being released in
1: 2023. Um, yeah, it was going to be an Ansel Elgort starring Warner Brothers film from the director of Goosebumps.
0: Dodge the bullet there. Did you see the the part where uh, what's that actor's name? Joe. Ben, Je- ben... 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 wrote a script...
1: Oh, yeah. ...for a while yeah. and was
0: trying to shop it around.
1: Yeah. The ultimate nerd of Hollywood. Yeah. He you was... wouldn't expect. Well, I the only reason I would was because he's been... He was cast as Deathstroke for the Ben Affleck Batman movie. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't really let that go for the last, like, eight years that that movie was canceled.
0: Well, to be fair, Deathstroke is a great character. And I One think of the best Batman
1: villains. Yeah. I, I wonder why he would have been the, the Affleck villain instead of saving him for a, for like a Titans thing, right?
0: Yeah. He crosses over. It depends on what era you get Deathstroke in, I feel like. Yeah. Sometimes he's right after those pesky Teen Titans, and sometimes he does deal more directly with Batman, I feel.
1: Sometimes he, you know, gets, a, gets away from the kids' table for a bit. Get to play with the big boys.
0: Yeah. Okay, so a bit more about the production. They said when they got to, they filmed mostly in Northern Ireland, um, and that when they arrived there, they played a several hours-long game of D&D with the actors who were role-playing as their film characters. Mm -hmm. Um, And they got to know their characters, their directors used a lot from that game, Mm -hmm. it sounds like, so... Very interesting. I suppose um, it's a good way to get get some rehearsal in and That's get them true. introduced into what D&D might be if they've never played before.
1: That's true. I would hope by the time that you've signed on to fully make the movie and you're there mm-hmm. to film it. As an actor, you've done some work to get familiar, but...
0: You never know. And to those that are D&D fans... Uh, just note that this movie is set in the Forgotten Realms campaign. Mm-hmm. So, that is intriguing to you. Good. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and if you're a D&D fan and this is the first time <laughs> you're getting information on the movie, I don't really know what to tell you, and I'm sorry that you're going to be mad about some inaccurate things that we say at some point. Oh, and I, honestly, <laughs> <had>. All
0: inaccurate. Honestly,
1: we should have Not all inaccurate.
0: A lot. We should have probably had someone that has played D&D on the podcast.
1: That's true. Well, we should also... Yeah, say maybe more... Like, I like these kinds of games, even though I haven't played D&D. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you do as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah.
0: I like goofing off on, during them,
1: though. Well, yeah. But I think that's part of the... Part of the joy,
0: yeah. I feel like that's kind of us—a uh, a spirit captured in this movie too.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think people who take those things too seriously. Are yeah, a bit much.
0: Um. So, what is this movie even about?
1: Well, uh, it's a fantasy heist film about a gang, or from all different classes of the D and D game. Um, you got Chris Pine, you got Michelle Rodriguez, Justice Smith, Sophia Lillis, Mm -hmm. and Hugh Grant were, well, okay, uh, Sophia Lillis wasn't part of the group, but...
0: Oh, she's the the, the red...
1: The shapeshifter lady. She's
0: the red witch, Red, red ball witch
1: let well, that's, look, whatever she is called, we're calling her the Red Bull. Uh, <laughs> it's
0: something red, because yeah. they're like, the, it's the red dagger of the red witch or something. You know?
1: I, I be- oh, she knows of, yeah, about you know, all that. I- yeah. Oh, no, she's, okay. she's not the witch? Oh, person? I wasn't thinking of, no, I was thinking of the druid.
0: Oh, okay, the, good God, people are gonna be so upset about this.
1: That's Daisy Head as Sophina. Okay. But okay, let's let's just address all this up front. We we're, we don't know we don't know the universe or anything like that. But I also I don't think that really matters with this movie and, in any significant and way. And it
0: is something that they thought of and purposely tailored this movie to so that if you're into D&D, you will pick up on a lot of mm-hmm. this stuff. And if you're not, it will still be a good introduction into the world. It's a heist movie where they mm. said the, the structure is very parallel to uh, heist movies, as with a lot of campaigns where a group of strangers comes together to achieve a, you know, go mm-hmm. on a mission, achieve a goal, whatever. So it, it is, I think they purposely designed it so that people who have no idea what's going on can enter the world and be like, okay, yep, that's a shape shifter. Yeah. That's some kind of wizard thing. That's a scary bald lady. You know, this is a strong lady. That guy's Chris Pine. You know, and that's all you really need to know,
1: I feel like. You get the idea. Yeah. Um, And if anyone wanted something more, I think, more complex from a big blockbuster version of this, then it's never going to be anything that appeals to more than, like, a million people. Yeah. Anyway. um, But it's ultimately... Just a, a group heist movie. Kind of echoes of a of a Guardians in terms of more recent mm-hmm. blockbusters. Um, Hugh Grant is a is the villain. Uh, something of Nevermore.
0: King. Uh, so He's not a
1: king.
0: No. So, but okay. Yeah. So I fell asleep during the last ten minutes of movies, and I just watched it yeah. before this. And in in those last ten minutes. They were like, and the spell was broken, and the king woke up. So did Hugh Grant put him to sleep and take over the land?
1: Yes, the, okay. that with with Sophia. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, because I was like, yeah, I was like, who's that guy? <laughs> yeah.
1: Um. Okay. He was the yeah in a coma,
0: I believe. Okay. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Go um, ahead. Go ahead and
1: describe Lily. But it's all it's all about Chris Pine trying to get his daughter back with the help of this ragtag group. Of magical and non-magical beings alike, um, along the way they're trying to break into this castle to get uh, Chloe Coleman, who plays Chris Pine's daughter, uh, but they also encounter this dark, bald lady <laughs> who's trying to also take over this entire Her country. Her class is bald lady. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Scary bald lady.
1: Exactly. And they eventually succeed after taking a little bit uh, part in the these sort of Quidditch cup-like games. And you Grant is a little—he's a little Rapscallion-y. He kind of gets away with things, setting him up to, I assume, rejoin the gang as an ally in the sequel. Um, but it's—it's it's really just a uh, light magical romp about people trying to break into a castle and then they do it and they have some, some set-piece battles along the way. Yeah. Also, like uh, they visit Bradley Cooper uh, for about three minutes.
0: I'd say that about sums it up. What? So I, I think definitely the strongest thing comedy-wise about this movie is obviously all that inspiration they're getting from Princess Bride mm-hmm. and Indiana Jones and Holy Grail and... What was the other one? Oh, and Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings. Yeah, yeah makes sense. I think that's really successful and kind of the light nature of it where it doesn't at really any time become too serious
1: mm-hmm.
0: and too like, oh, we're in danger and, you know, kind of the way a lot of superhero movies can, can kind of lean to be like randomly funny and then like, very serious, self-serious yeah. during the battle scenes and things, you know, right. like that, and in the third act. But this one, it kind of remained pretty light and silly mm-hmm. throughout, but it wasn't a parody of anything, I would say.
1: No, no, it's not lampooning, uh, necessarily. It's just <laughs> sort of taking, I think, a, to- a tonally adjusted approach to Mm-hmm. To making it like this kind of blockbuster that I, I feel like has been, it occasionally rises up, but high fantasy is rarely, I think, well received these days. You'll get uh, a King Arthur Legend of the Sword movie directed by Guy Ritchie that no one, that makes no impression. I, I don't even know who starred in that movie and I think it came out three or four years ago or the Taryn Edgerton Robin Hood movie. Um, A lot of movies try to sort of take update high fantasy, I think, in a way that goes too far to the other sort of anachronistic edge. But then on the other side, you have things like Warcraft, um, Mm -hmm. which, from my understanding, is maybe a little bit too lost in the weeds of the details Mm -hmm. and kind of impenetrable for anyone on the outside to get into. Um, so this just sort of occupies, yeah, more comedic, but not necessarily out, but not outright parody or overly serious tone.
0: Yeah, because I think high fantasy r- is really only working right now on in the TV space,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like pretty consistently from games Game of Thrones to House of the Dragon. Is that what it's called?
1: That's the new. And yeah, then,
0: know. and then the new Lord of the Rings show—you know—most
1: people, it turns out, have not finished, and I, I'm one of those so far.
0: Okay, well, but I guess, it's you know, huge. but yeah. it's, it's huge, and the amount of money that mm-hmm. Amazon and HBO are putting into those shows is insane. Yeah, it's it, ridiculous. The Witcher. The Witcher. Yeah. yeah, those. I mean, so fantasy is definitely working in a TV space. And I feel, I wonder if it's because you can introduce your audience and then slowly get them more and more into the lore. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the movie, it is harder because you don't want to do too much lore, make it impenetrable.
1: Right. You don't want to
0: have nothing. And then it doesn't feel like it's its own You know, fantasy world is it is a delicate balance that you have to find.
1: Yeah, because it can't also just be a full Fast and Furious movie that happens to take, you know, even even if it shares a cast member with the franchise. (laughs) um, You do have to treat the genre with enough respect in order for it not to feel just like a complete like uh, who gives a shit.
0: Right. Right. And I think that they do honor, I mean, it, it also helps obviously that this is a huge IP. Yeah. Even if people might not realize that it's actually, you know, kind of a, its own IP. I feel like a lot of times yeah. it kind of, it can be kind of its own homegrown mm-hmm. thing among people, Yeah. which is great. But yeah, it's, it's also obviously a huge IP that they're cashing in on and, right. and then that, also helps that there's brand recognition for people to know, oh, it's Dungeons & Dragons. I know what kind of movie that's going to be. Yeah. Rather than if you have, you know, King Arthur movie, they're like, "Mm, that could actually be pretty boring.
1: (laughs) Yeah, some of those public domain stories are a little...
0: Yeah. yeah.
1: So I definitely enjoyed the movie more than you. I... I... Not quite as rapturous as some people are, but I'm definitely closer to the side of feeling quite refreshed uh, by it in terms of blockbusters, mm-hmm. and I know you didn't dislike it, but we're a bit more lukewarm on it. Yeah,
0: and I should clarify, the fact that I fell asleep has nothing to do with the movie at all. I fall asleep all the time, no matter what we're watching, Sure, even if if I love it, I get particularly mad that I fell asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, so that has no bearing on anything. <laughs> I just want to clarify that, um, in case people thought, "Wow, she really hated it. She fell asleep." <laughs> I, I didn't. I was enjoying it. I thought it was fine. It, you know, it. I think because I read a lot of reviews and things where people were very rapturous about it and mm-hmm. super into it, I kind of was expecting it to be significantly different in some way, Mm -hmm. like really taking this like fantasy comedy to a new level. Mm -hmm. And I think that it did it well, Mm -hmm. but I didn't think there was necessarily anything particularly different or Mm -hmm. like exciting about it. I think it, it was done well and it was fine, but I think my, Favorites of the, this this genre are gonna be hard to kind of beat. Like I'm a big Holy Grail fan and a, mm-hmm. and a big Princess Bride fan, so yeah, it, it's kind of for me not as good as those, but it's good.
1: Sure, uh, yeah, those are are definitely hard. I think to talk. Although I'm I'm personally more of a Princess Bride person than a Holy Grail mm-hmm. person. I haven't seen it in forever, but there is. This I know. This is Monty Python slander. I think they're great. I I loved um, a fish called Wanda, which is very
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Python adjacent.
0: Which but we did on the pod. So if you're check interested, check it out. Check episode
1: three with, with our
0: good friend Matt.
1: Uh, yeah. Um. But there's something, in and I'm, and I know it's that's a full spoof. There's no intention for it to all necessarily cohere mm-hmm. together. But that's the kind of movie where I'm like. All right, I get it. You think this is stupid. <laughs> you just... Mm-hmm. All right, yeah. the j- Just fantasy stuff is bullshit for 90 minutes. Like, And I don't think that they're taking a cynical approach to it, mm-hmm. but it it's so outright comedic that I feel like I could appreciate it more as individual sketches That's fair. than anything strung together. But it's obviously a huge influence in the tone that they're trying to go for here, but they don't have the the comedy writing talents of Monty Python, because, you know, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think I've always kind of viewed Holy Grail more as a series of sketches and Mm -hmm. not necessarily all connected, but I also haven't seen it in a while, so maybe that's when we should go on. Yeah. Um, Baxter sneezed, so that means Mm -hmm. he's in full agreement. (laughs) But Princess Bride, definitely, Mm -hmm. it's kind of the perfect yeah. pinnacle of what fantasy comedy is.
1: And also I think um, the uh, very much what this movie wants to be. And I think is, <laughs> is mostly successful at, but like in terms of being fantasy and comedy and not giving too much leeway to either.
0: Yeah. I'm, Cause I'm curious about, I don't know if you know anything about um, the decision to not include any, real-life gameplay with it. Because I think, you know, there's obviously that element in Princess Bride mm-hmm. where he's reading the framing, story. Yeah. There's that framing device that works, I think, really well mm-hmm. and adds a lot of comedy into the movie itself. And I think, I wonder if maybe they didn't want to go too close to that if because of Princess Bride. But I don't know. I think there could have been some, some really great opportunities for mm-hmm. more comedy if they did include that outside world, so I, I don't know if you know anything about the decision to include that or not.
1: I don't, because I remember, I, it feels like a Mandela effect type thing, because I feel like I remember hearing that there was a meta mm-hmm. uh, element, but I, I don't know if that's actually true, if there ever was at any point. Yeah, I think I think with the way they landed it, ultimately, it's able to strike a balance of feeling like like a group of friends is playing a campaign without necessarily getting into the meta weeds of it, which I do think very much could have worked. Like if I were pitching on it, it's probably the approach I would have taken. But I think with what they were trying to do, the reason it wouldn't work in this movie is because I think then it takes away the, um, the Chris Pine and his daughter thing, which I think is, an element that isn't too overwrought with them like yelling at each other or Mm -hmm. the way that a lot of fantasy or or the way that a lot of blockbuster movies would do to make it Mm -hmm. seem too real or or just a full plot point here i think it works as basically the rest of this is kind of silly bullshit but there's something real Mm -hmm. in it and i think if you make it all a game then none of then none of what they're doing matters. Granted, they they would come up with a new approach about playing the game, you know, and Right. I and mean that their personal
0: lives would have to see yeah. into the the gameplay itself. And I think that is what not to out you or anything, but I I personally really liked the pilot that you wrote with Brad that incorporates a lot of that meta sure. stuff and and D D type gameplay. Um, was it D and D specifically, or just? No, I
1: think we made one up.
0: Yeah, but, but I, I, think like there is, uh, think there's an opportunity for meta to work, especially if it. I mean, it, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get the father daughter storyline mm-hmm. unless maybe one of the players is playing with their parents or something. You know, like there's the, an opportunity. They could, but then
1: it just becomes the Lego movie. Like,
0: sure. Yeah.
1: You know. If they do it a little too close, because that's all about the brother or the father son relationship.
0: Sure, but But, I mean, you could do it with anything. You could do it mm -hmm. like a friendship, Mm -hmm. you know, a breakdown of friendship, a breakdown of relationship Mm -hmm. that you're having to repair over the campaign. Mm -hmm. Like, I think there there could be a lot of cool opportunities in using meta Mm -hmm. nature of it. So I don't know. I know they won't do it going forward because that's obviously not what they've established right but now that would be <laughs> that would be a like radically w- different and weird choice to make for a sequel
1: it would have to be um, totally unconnected yeah, to
0: it would have to be a completely different movie franchise um yeah.
1: or maybe i mean because i know they're doing a paramount show but i don't know paramount if it's connected at all
0: show the showrunner is the director of we are the millers
1: ross Rasa- John, former John August assistant, yeah. Ross and Mar- Marshall Cent- Thurbert.
0: Yep. Central Intelligence, Dodgeball. Dodgeball.
1: A very successful career. Yep. R- but
0: now, show Red
1: State. Not um, Red State. No, Red Notice. Red Notice. It's Skyscraper. Skyscraper is one of the biggest pieces of shit that I've seen <laughs> in a theater that was supposed to be exciting. Awful.
0: Anyway. It's It's tough when the concept is the
1: rock jumping around skyscrapers and i love that that premise to be honest <laughs> it's
0: but i will say that's definitely something that would be tough to to build a movie around
1: it could be but i thought it, it shouldn't be boring because you should have be able to come up with a lot of set pieces of like yeah. really complicated tech building that's basically trapping you inside yeah, while so there's mostly a fire
0: just a straight up thriller yeah. yeah. Kind of like unhinged.
1: Exact. Plus, Nev was his wife in that one. She, she does get a bit to do, but that's all, all I can say to that movie.
0: Well, he's still writing the mm-hmm. show. And they they said that, well, one of the directors said that when they signed on to this movie, they never expected it to be a franchise. Mm-hmm. But... They do have some ideas for the next one, and if it's if they do a sequel, it would be the same characters, mm-hmm. and they would just add some more characters so that they meet along the way. Right. But they said that they could probably get right into the plot of the of the movie rather than kind of having to set up the whole get the band together.
1: Yeah. Well, by. I do. I think that's one thing um, that works about this movie as a blockbuster is obviously they're not necessarily lying when they say we never thought this would be a friend, but they have to have known there's a possibility
0: that if it did well, right. It's a huge IP movie, mm-hmm. you know, so it's not yeah. out of the question. No,
1: but at the same time, it is a, f- a full and complete story mm-hmm. in a way that is unfortunately rare. I think with a lot of, um, a lot of movies are either direct sequels, mm-hmm. if they're blockbusters now, or they're spin-offs. or they're an, a first installment, but are designed with the clear intent and are already giving you hints as to who will be a focus of the expanded universe mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Because I feel like you can't necessarily, in 20 years, you're not necessarily going to be able to watch Thor 2 outside of the context of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. I I do think this movie will be able to stand alone, just Mm -hmm. as a one-off movie. Mm -hmm. Um, Additionally, not to compare it just to Marvel, but you can follow the action scenes, and it's clear what's happening.
0: Yeah, you're not like, wait, what? You got thrown over there? What's happening? And it's just, sometimes Marvel scenes are just, the way the camera is blocked, it's just... Makes my head spin
1: because
0: mm-hmm. it's like too many close-ups and then or like too shaky and it's so hard to follow sometimes.
1: It, it, well, and the, the director specifically talked about I don't know if you read, but they wanted to shoot the action largely wide so it that helps. people could actually because they said if if you're doing all this action that you've choreographed so heavily, people should be able to see it, which is it really is true.
0: helps because sometimes. you, you If if you're too close up in the action scenes, you lose the you lose where you are in the space Mm -hmm. so that when you do go wide again, it's like a little bit jarring.
1: Yeah. And you lose sense of scale. Yeah. Um, But I mean, here it's not revolutionary, but like when Druid is um, shape shifting throughout the castle, Mm -hmm. that's a a really clear and well done, you know, It's, I think, meant to be a one shot. Obviously, it's not because of all it's the CGI. CGI. <laughs> and, because it's mostly you know, CGI. And she's,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she's
1: not actually transforming from a rat into a deer. Yeah, she is. Oh, my mistake.
0: Um, they got a real shapeshifter. <laughs> I was going to, I don't know what what the technical term is called.
1: So. I believe she's a druid in this. No, that's her name. Oh, that's her name? That's, that's not her name. Her, it's her class, too, I would assume.
0: Well, that's rough.
1: <laughs> Again, <laughs> apologies to all the fans of the game. We both love to play.
0: No, we... Okay, we were really close to to being in a D&D campaign in mm-hmm. Manchester. hmm My friend Matt was setting it up. We were going to be in it every week, but then we moved uh, back to the
1: U.S., so... Mm-hmm. Yet another strike against the U.S. No one's asked <laughs> us to be a part of a D&D campaign here.
0: If you are running a D&D campaign, which I know s- at least one of our friends has to
1: be, mm-hmm.
0: I would I would join. If it was over Zoom and I didn't have to go anywhere, I would join.
1: I'd prefer to either do it over Zoom or it's here, but we don't have to like host. host. It's just... I don't... I don't, but I
0: don't want because I have to clean.
1: Well, in this fantasy scenario, it's people really don't want us to clean. They want it to be lived in, authentic, and they don't want us to buy snacks or drinks either.
0: I love that they want it to be dirty. (laughs) I would want it to be clean. (laughs) That's fair.
1: Well, your character in the game wouldn't.
0: (laughs) I was gonna be okay. I had my character picked out for the. D&D campaign we were going to play, I was going to be like a, uh, some kind of scout kind of person, Mm -hmm. um, because they get animals, they get like animals later on, so I could get like a dog or something, Cool. I was very excited about that.
1: Did you have a name for your character?
0: No, we didn't get that far. Uh, Everybody in my class, we were going to do it as a class thing but mm. had other friends as well and right um everybody in my class wanted to be a, a polar bear for some reason so uh poor matt was trying to figure out how to make that happen
1: <laughs> how to make everyone who everyone, to everyone a polar bear
0: everybody a polar bear and then me like a normal person <laughs> that
1: would be interesting <laughs>
0: yeah. okay well how did it do boffo
1: not so boffo um It's complicated because it's made, and it's maybe got a few mil more in the tank, but Mm -hmm. not enough to push it to theatrical uh, profitability. It's gonna end up with around 210 million worldwide, Mm -hmm. um, but on a budget of 150. And if we assume the 2.5 rule for big movies, it lost a bit of money.
0: Pretty well
1: under. Yeah, and. If it's been touch and go as to if it can make it to 100 million domestic, but mm-hmm. lately uh, it's become clear that it won't quite make it as a result of movies coming in and taking the screens because it started to hold really well because audience reception mm-hmm. has been good, but I don't quite quite think it can justify having a theatrical sequel unless. They lower the budget a decent amount because I do think a sequel would, would make quite a bit more than mm-hmm. the first one because I think it'll do well on streaming. Um, but
0: hopefully the sequel doesn't go straight to streaming.
1: I, I don't think that any of the people involved. Well, I mean, Justice Smith would probably do it, but I don't necessarily, I don't think uh, Chris Pine would probably do this sequel on a if it were going to be a full streaming movie. Okay. You never I know. I don't know.
0: It's possible.
1: It's possible, but I think at that point if you're going to, even if you're going to slash the budget like crazy, mm-hmm. financially it makes no sense to put it straight to stream because you still want a chance to try and make some of the money back, but yeah. the, it's very possible that studios being the way they are, mm-hmm. that could happen.
0: Which are a little Greedy Boys.
1: Grubby little greedy, greedy boys. That's right. I'm
0: you, talking to you, AMPTP.
1: You heard it here first. <laughs> we are hereby calling for all writers in the Writers Guild to go on strike. Starting now.
0: Okay, guys, get out there. You're on strike right <laughs> this minute.
1: <laughs> and anyone who's already been picketing, you're welcome.
0: <laughs> We're making it official.
1: That's right. Pencils down. As far as critics go, much more well-received, you know. There are a few negative reviews, but but really not very many. Mm -hmm. Uh, Overall, uh, any particular performances and or, like, specific elements of the movie that you enjoyed, you know, in contrast to the rest of it?
0: In contrast there. Not
1: saying it. you dislike but anything that's that specifically stood out as Um more, Yeah, I mean yeah. I really
0: like the design of it. I like that they use a lot of practical mm-hmm. things. think that's you can tell and it gives it I think it adds to kind of the whimsy and fun of mm-hmm. the movie. Uh Hugh Grant was very funny mm-hmm. and I think he gives the best comedic performance in it. Chris Pine's always a good lead, I think. Yeah. Um, I didn't like, really, what's her name?
1: Michelle Rodriguez.
0: Yeah, who plays Olga, or Olga or something. Uh, Until the end when she almost dies, spoiler, but, uh... I think she she plays
1: that scene well.
0: She does play that scene well. Um, but actually, uh, in thinking about it, I think, uh... Chris Pine and his daughter actually are the ones <laughs> that really sell that scene mm-hmm. uh, because she is dead for most of it. So, <laughs>
1: But her she gives a, gun, a good line reading when she comes back, I think. I want a one of very few. <laughs> <that she gives. laughs> like, I like her. I think she's got interesting energy. Um, she,
0: I can definitely see. I haven't, I haven't seen her in any of the Fast yeah. movies, but Fast is perfect for her, for sure.
1: Yeah, She gives the exact same performance in most movies, I think. <laughs> Hey, Dom. Family. We have to go do the thing, okay? (laughs) Lil' Brian's not gonna be safe. Just, I, I, she's like a human video game exposition.
0: (laughs) What is her background like? What is she? What was she in before Fast and stuff? I don't know because she she almost feels like she could be like a stunt person, like you know, a like a or yeah, like a wrestler or like an athlete of some sort.
1: Wow, she won. I knew it was something like this that it was a little surprising, but okay. She began her career in 2000 playing a troubled boxer in the independent sports drama *Girl Fight*, where she won the Independent Spirit Independent Spirit Award and Gotham Award for Best Debut Performance. I knew she started with something where she was more, where she was more critically acclaimed. But what else? Her goal was to be a screenwriter and director. Oh. Um. And she was brought up as a Jehovah's Witness. Wow. Fascinating.
0: We should have her on.
1: Maybe she'd do it. <laughs> okay. This makes her seem like pretty cool, honestly. Um. Anyway.
0: Um. In terms of the future for movies like this. I think if it had been more of a blockbuster success, Mm -hmm. I could see a string of, Mm -hmm. you know, comedy, fantasy movies, kind of like the way Knives Out brought mysteries kind of Mm -hmm. back as a, not that, but like kind of reinvigorated the genre of mysteries. Um, So we'll see how the sequel goes that they haven't announced, but I'm sure it will be announced Soon.
1: Sure, it will be announced whether or not it actually ever
0: Um, happens. And we'll see how the TV show goes. Any other things that you think that this movie will kind of lead the way in?
1: I think maybe there'll be more much, much lower budget projects in this vein, at least pitched. I could see this being sort of used as a comp for animated comedy shows, maybe.
0: Yeah, it's, fantasies uh, are, are always tough. I feel like, we, I don't know about you, but I feel like in school, um, they would just always tell you, like, don't ever write a fantasy script mm. on spec because it would never get bought. Right, because, because of the be, Well, just because of the budgets. Oh, sure. You know, and I think they base a lot of that off of <laughs> the price of Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. on a single episode of Game of Thrones, or the Lord of the Rings show. How much did that one cost? It's like the highest price show Lord in the, of the history of...
1: Yeah, I think it was something like $400 million for the season or something. Something that is too much money.
0: It is... The first season is $715 million.
1: Whoa! That's not good. I don't see how you're gonna ever make any money off of that.
0: That yeah.
1: Unless you can convince
0: Okay, there's a lot of different million. there's there are a lot of different uh, numbers ranging okay. from fifty eight million per episode to
1: which would be like f- to four hundred
0: and sixty five million budget total to one billion dollars.
1: <laughs> well the fifty eight per episode and four hundred and sixty five million total mm-hmm. would be the same.
0: Yeah, um, some maybe that's maybe maybe they've adjusted their
1: maybe. costs. Ever. fantasy it's expensive
0: it's expensive so yeah i think lower budget is this is probably one of the lower budget uh fancy yeah. i wonder how much princess bride and *Monty python were. probably not so much yeah if you adjust for inflation i wonder if it's the same as about this one or a little less less yeah. cgi
1: definitely less just because movies didn't cost the same yeah and even so if you M. adjust the
0: cgi stuff
1: yeah, well, and... I didn't have
0: to pay Bradley Cooper to be in it for three
1: minutes. That's true. But, I mean, even if you adjust Star Wars' budget for inflation, it's still well under $100 million today.
0: Yeah.
1: Weird. Uh,
0: Surprising, considering all of their produ- production delays they had on that movie. <laughs> Which, that's a whole other episode.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll be doing that next week. <laughs> now, what no. are we actually doing next week?
0: Next week we are continuing our blockbuster bonanza, bonanza with um, everyone's favorite movie. I assume one mm-hmm. of everybody's most beloved movies, Back to the Future. Mister McFly and Doc Brown, get ready for us.
1: Oh, and in, just in case you've been wondering where we're going, we don't need roads. So, so just so, just, just keep
0: that in mind.
1: Just it's fine. <laughs>
0: Please do not drive and listen.
1: (laughs) No. You don't need roads. You need to sit your ass down and listen.
0: Um, Follow us on Instagram at Community Cinema. I've started to post again.
1: I will post again (laughs) this
0: week. (laughs) Break about it. (laughs) I will. Um, And, oh, you can become a supporter Mm -hmm. of our podcast. We want to shout out our current supporter, uh, for their generous uh, support, that's right. My mother, Joyce yeah. Walborn, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, if you support us, we will shout you out on here too, and we are going to figure out uh, some things that we will give our supporters yeah. in turn.
1: We just need there to be more supporters for us to do Yeah.
0: That. Well, we can. St- I think we will still do it for my mom. Oh, well, we, we will. We'll- but we'll- you know. if they- if we get more, we'll do even even more amazing things.
1: We'll give you access to Baxter's diary.
0: <laughs> we'll send everybody a picture of Baxter every day <laughs> if they support
1: That's us. That's a good perk.
0: No, not every day, but we'll send out a as weekly Baxter you
1: photo. you fill out a form and say, have a free.
0: It'd <laughs> just be so hard to remember to do.
1: That's
0: true. I'd say a weekly Baxter portrait That's directly into your inbox. Mm. And, and he is one cutie, so yeah. you definitely would want that.
1: But, addendum, if he dies, we don't have to keep doing it.
0: So it will make us very sad.
1: Yeah. That's
0: right. Well,
1: anyway. Anyway, we'll see you all next week.
0: Bye!